three times you will have seen it as we just read our passage. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? And then right at the end, do not worry about tomorrow. Friends, as we look at our, our final question, focused on big questions, which we might be asking now in the midst of, of what's going on, we're asking our final question, where is peace? And Jesus is saying here, he does not want us to worry. He does not want us to be anxious. He wants us to have peace. And you may be sitting there going, all right, Jesus. More easily said than done. Um, all right, Johnny, great passage here, but phew, you sure you know what's going on? But he really wants us to not worry. Proverbs 12.25 says this. You'll see it there on the screen. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. And this is so true, isn't it? The picture is a bit like a backpack. Imagine we go through life with a backpack on and we're just filling it up and up and up with cares and concerns. Um, from a really early age, we worry, don't we? We worry about what people think about us. That only grows as we go to school. Then we maybe worry about exams, our grades, our friends. Do they like us? Do they not like us? Am I in the right crowd? Am I in the wrong crowd? Uh, and imagine all of that just goes into this invisible backpack, this weight. Then after school, am I going to get this job? Am I doing well at this job? Maybe then am I going to get married and anxious about if I will and if I do, then to who? Uh, worried about if we're going to stay married, about whether or not we're going to be able to have children. And then if you do, concerned about how they're going to turn out. We get worried about finances. Do we have enough to live now? Do we have enough for the future? Worry can just turn into a string of worries, a string of what ifs, can't it? And the pack just gets, imagine this pack on our back, it gets fuller and fuller and fuller, heavier and heavier and heavier. Anxiety weighs down the heart. And that's before we came to a pandemic. <laughs> As we came into the pandemic, we were already weighed down maybe and then we have a whole extra bag to fill when COVID-19 hits the, the bag of finances the impact on the economy the school was then paused and maybe we were worried about education about our children's development work and furlough I know a major concern for some people listening there health would there be enough medicine would we be able to get it what if I fall ill and earlier on, we were concerned, weren't we, about food, about will we have enough food? Could we get the right type of food? Pasta. And then seemingly our biggest concern the first few months was will we have enough toilet paper? Our bag was already full and the pandemic added to it. Just today I was reading, you may have seen it, there was a, a report published today, it was in the papers, saying that 80% of people they surveyed said that working from home had had a negative impact on their mental health. We saw Chris not necessarily that, but saying that it's been tricky balancing it, hasn't it? And 25% of those had found it difficult to cope with the emotional challenges of isolation. That's the picture right now from Proverbs 12. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Weighed down with worries and anxieties on loads of levels. That may be what you're coming to tonight. It may be how you're feeling tonight. Maybe how you felt the last few months, this heaviness. Now, the last thing you need from me then is just a kind word. Cheer up. Don't worry. 
a good word for me just to make up on my own. So instead, as we've had read, as David read for us, Matthew 6, we have a good word straight from Jesus. Three times he tells us, do not worry. Jesus desires for us to be totally free from anxiety in this world. As I said, you might go, come on, really? So I think at this point, it's really important that we just define what we're talking about, define the term worry or anxiety here. It's the word used interchangeably in the Bible. Um, So we don't hear Jesus wrong. We need to be careful not to read our own definitions on the biblical definition. You see, it, it is appropriate and right to be concerned about things. Jesus here is talking not about legitimate concern. He's talking about over-concern. You see, correct and godly concern would lead to wise action, and it would lead to dependent prayer. See, proper concern leads us to lock our doors, doesn't it? Leads us to have regular checkups with our doctors, to review our finances, to have an MOT on our card. You could put lots of things there where we respond rightly. We have right concern, and we act wisely. There's a great book. Um, I'd encourage you to find it and read it. Timothy Lane wrote it called Living Without Worry. Um, it's an ambitious title, but that's what Jesus wants for us. It says you can recognize the difference between correct concern and over concern because concern takes wise action and prays dependently. Worry or over concern thinks and acts as if everything is up to you or everything is completely out of control. And it prays desperately if it prays at all. So we're talking here about over-concern. When Jesus says, do not worry here, that's what he's talking about. Worry, which leads us to act as if God is out of control. Worry, which causes us to not live with peace. So let me define it here as I think it is. It says, worry, as it says here, do not worry. When he's saying that, he's saying, Uh, It's when we carry concerns in this world in such a way that we lose perspective on life and lack trust in God. So it's carrying concerns in this world, that backpack, these troubles which will come. We see that later. We will have troubles in such a way that we lose perspective on life and lack trust in God. He's not talking about the specific medical condition of anxiety. For some people listening here, you may uh, have to, had to deal with that. You may have felt those symptoms. You may have maybe referred for that. And Jesus is not referring to that explicitly, although I would hope and I would say that Jesus can help deal with that here in this passage, can help us think it through. And so Jesus here in Matthew is going to help us when we deal with troubles and concerns in this life, which are very real. And I know for many of us listening in now, they really are very real. He's going to help us by calling us not to lose perspective. And this call from Jesus, I think it's an, it's an invitation, not a rebuke. When we say to children, there's nothing to worry about, we aren't commanding them to be fearless. We're, we're saying, no, no, lift your eyes. I'm with you. I'm here with you. Trust me. And Jesus here is calling us to the right, correct respect, perspective. He tells us about God and what he's like, and we're going to see that here. So Jesus here in Matthew 6, he uses six arguments, I think. Uh, Depends who you read, six or seven arguments. And this is his kind word to cheer us up. Six arguments about why we should not worry, about why we can be a people who have peace. So, firstly, if you've got your Bibles open, please do keep them open. It's great to have the text here in front of you in Matthew 6. We're going to look at verses 24 and uh, and 25. His first argument here your life is more than anything this world offers you. Verse 24, let me read it again. Uh, No one can serve two masters, 
Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus' first argument, your life is about more than anything this world offers you. Having just talked about money previously in the Sermon on the Mount, this sermon to his, his disciples, but also wider he's speaking to, Jesus then tells us not to worry about three of the most basic needs, food, drink, and clothes. If there were things to worry about, these would be them, wouldn't they? You see, worry begins when a person is trying to love equally both the creator and something in creation. When we lose perspective, um, we make something more important than God. Something could be, it could be food, drink, and clothes, or it could be something else. It could even be ourselves, which we put as more important, how people view us. And verse 24, we saw it here, makes it really, really clear. You cannot serve two masters. You can't love two things equally. And those things we do try and love more than God are unreliable anyway. And so in verse 25, Jesus goes on to say that he tells us not to worry about these basic things because our life is more than what we eat, more than what we drink, and more than what we wear. You could put anything in that statement. Your life is more than what others think of you. Your life is more than what job you have. Your life is more than what the latest government regulations are. You see, worry and anxiety comes from losing perspective on what life is ultimately all about. I wonder what you tend to worry about. As you analyze uh, these things, you'll begin to see what these dangers that you might overlove are, these things you might love more uh, than you should. What do you tend to worry about? If you overlove people's opinions of you, then you'll make your reputation more important than God. You'll get defensive when you're criticized, constantly look to impress. If your children, if you have any, are where you find significance and purpose, then how they turn out will be more important than God to you. You'll worry about every decision they make. You'll likely become maybe overvigilant, overcritical as a parent. If you make your job more important than God, then you'll worry about your performance. You'll be overwhelmed about uh, how you're doing and what's going on and how your colleagues view you. We could go again and again and again. What are your biggest concerns and worries? Jesus says here, your life is more than any created thing. More uh, Life's purpose and significance is not found in those things, from the most, most basic things to other things we find ourselves worrying about. Your life is uh, worth more than those things. So then Jesus goes on to his second argument. They come thick and fast. And his second argument is this. This is an antidote to our overloves, the things we love more. He then wants to remind us and give us fresh perspective. You have a father who eternally values you. Look down with me in verse 26, if you've got your Bibles. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? And then verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. 
Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? One surprising thing you may not know about Lanks is that he loves bird watching. Odd, yes, um, but true. Um, I discovered it a few years ago on a car journey up north. Um, I've never forgotten it. Um, I thought it was odd then. Um, I think it's less odd now. Um, over lockdown, we had a nest uh, of blue tits lodged in our balcony, um, and it was absolutely fascinating seeing them go about their business. Jesus says a great antidote to worry is to bird watch. There are no worried birds right now. Each day, birds act as if God will still be God tomorrow. They act as if he'll show them mercy tomorrow. Birds don't hoard. They fetch their food and they eat their food and nobody works harder than a bird. I saw uh, this blue tip father and mother. Um, they traveled into their nest again and again and again over about a week. He needed to deliver, I found out, about a thousand caterpillars a day. I didn't know that many existed uh, near where I lived, but it turns out they did. Uh, again and again and again. And yet that bird, it didn't worry about tomorrow because as Jesus says here, they know your heavenly father feeds them. And this is the punchline. As Jesus uses illustration of the birds, this is the punchline. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Are you not much more valuable than they are? You may feel really burdened right now. Um, you may be asking where God is or if God is. You may look around at the current news, both out there, but also close to home, financial strain job troubles, health concerns, and you may question your worth and value. Jesus here says, don't. Jesus here reminds us of the immense value that he places on us. The whole of Matthew's gospel, the book, the biography Jesus we're looking at, speaks of this as it talks about Jesus' life and why he came, as he showed how much he valued us. Jesus came as a rescuer. God himself came from the glory and security of heaven to live on this earth. Why? Because of the immense value he placed on us. He could have left us, but he didn't. You see, the Bible, um, I and mean, you may be listening in, you may not, not believe this yet, you may not know this yet, but the Bible tells us that having been created by God, created good in his image, we rejected him. This is what the Bible often calls sin, and the effects of sin are everywhere all around us. Um, lots of things we see were from natural disasters to our relationships to pandemics. The effects are everywhere. But the glorious news is that God did not leave us alone. He came to us in Jesus. And this is how much value he places on humans. How much more valuable are you than they are? Jesus came himself. God himself came from earth to live a life of no sin. And then he chose to pay the price for your and my sin. And then he rose from the grave in victory over sin and death. And anyone can turn from living life their own way and put their trust in Jesus. And he will save them, anyone. Look at the birds. Are you not much more valuable than they are? That's how valuable you are. If someone risked their life to save you from drowning and you were to ask them the next day, do you really care about me? They'd rightly feel insulted. This is how much I value you. God shows his care and how much he values us by giving us his son. He took on our sin. Will he not also take on our worries and our burdens? 
that's the birds. But then in verses 28 to 30, he switches the illustration to the flowers of the fields. Look at the flowers and the grass, he says. They last for just a day sometimes, and yet God clothes them in beauty. They last for such a short time, but you're going to last forever. And the importance and the right perspective here as we think about life. See our value, but then also see our eternal value. For those who trust in Jesus, he promises eternity with him that death is not the end. Why are we worried about clothes on earth when God says he's going to clothe us in glory for eternity? Why are we worried about money when we have an inheritance in heaven? Why are we worried about our jobs when we're told that we will reign with him in heaven? Worried about our health when we're told that we put our trust in him, we will live forever with new bodies. No sickness, no crying, no pain. Our life is about trusting our father who eternally values us. This is the perspective shift Jesus invites us to today, his second argument. Now, um, I think it's important, a little sidebar here is needed, as you might be sitting there in your head going, well, God hasn't clothed me like that. Or what about all the poor and hungry people around the world? Remember as well here that, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. As he's speaking to them, as he's speaking to the crowds, he knew what they would go through. He knew many of them would go through trying circumstances. Eleven of the twelve disciples were killed for their faith. He wasn't tone deaf here when he says you do not need to worry. Jesus himself would experience hunger and then awful hardships as he took suffering for us. But amongst all these things Jesus experienced, he never allows them to take away the trust he has in his heavenly father. He trusted uh, that God would not allow anything to happen that ultimately would not be for Jesus' good. Now, that good may not be apparent until eternity. It may not become clear until heaven, but it can be relied upon. God's care and concern and working for our good can be relied upon in all things, whether we can see the effects now or not. When we looked at that a couple of weeks ago of length, we looked at Romans 8. We're, we're never promised an easy life in a world full of Sin and suffering struggles are inevitable. Jesus says that himself later. And as Christians, we're actually often promised it harder as we seek to live for God in this world. We follow a crucified saviour, don't we? We never promise an easy life, but we are promised the endless, relentless, detailed and loving care of the Father over every aspect of our lives. And so how a Christian responds to trial and difficulty will stand out as distinctive to the world as we remember this, as we live as people who aren't full of weighty burdens and anxiety. That's our second argument Jesus makes of six. Don't worry, they get quicker. This one's very quick because it's very simple from Jesus. Verse 27, if you read it again with me, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? You may be expecting a more sophisticated argument here in verse 27. Um, but this is like one of those signs you can buy in garden centers. You see them up in like kitchens, don't you? It's just logic from Jesus. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? It, it's a rhetorical question. The answer, I think we can all go is no. Um, it's common sense. Feeling overly worried about something won't help you solve the problem. You often just get worked up and up and up, don't you? It'll only get you further into the hole if 
what you're worrying about is bad, then it's double suffering. That's Jesus' third argument. It's short, it's sweet, and it's, it's logical, as you'd expect from the one who created all things. His fourth argument, though, is a bit more stark. He says that worrying is for unbelievers. Now, again, at this point, I want to be sensitive and make sure we go back to our definitions. We're not talking about sort of like a clinical anxiety here, about a medical condition. Don't confuse these things here. But he's talking about this over-concern, this over-worry. And verses 31 to 32 says this. Read it down with me. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Jesus says here that worrying is what the world does, not what God's people do. Worrying is what the world does, not what God's people do. Over worry and losing perspective is a sign of our unbelief. Now, again, hear me right. That doesn't mean if you worry, you're an unbeliever. All of us would be disqualified here, wouldn't we? Remember, this is to be a word of comfort from Jesus. So let me illustrate it for you. Imagine uh, you're in a car race. Um, you probably have to imagine quite strongly. I'm not sure any of us I know here often get involved in car racing, but who knows? Um, but your opponent doesn't want you to finish the race. So they fling mud at your windshield. The, the fact that you temporarily lose sight of your goal and swerve doesn't mean that you're going to quit the race. And it definitely doesn't mean you're on the wrong racetrack. Otherwise, your opponent wouldn't bother flinging mud at you at all. What it does mean is that you should turn on your windscreen wipers and use your washer. When worry comes and blurs our vision of God, like mud flung in our face, and blurs our vision of who he is, of the future that he's planned for us, it does not mean we're faithless or that we won't make it to heaven. It does mean our faith is being tested. See, in verse 30, O ye of little faith. Now, at first, when circumstances strike, like they have for all of us in the last few months, different degrees, I'm sure, our belief in God, our trust in his promise may cause us to, to sputter and swerve. Whether we stay on the track and make it to the finish line depends on whether we then set in place steps to resist, whether we fight back against anxiety. Will we turn on the windscreen wipers and use our washer? Will we remind ourselves of that fresh perspective? Remember his second argument of his, how valued we are. Remember that of how much God values us and he came himself and how we live, can live for eternity. We need to flick on our windscreen wipers, use our washer as, as concerns as worries are hit. That's his fourth argument. His fifth argument then, within the same verses, he notes right at the end, his fifth argument, God knows all that you need. You notice at verse 32, I'll read it again. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. He knows that you need them. He knows all we need. Jesus' fifth argument against worry is that God knows everything we need better than even we do. In the next chapter in Matthew, as he continues his sermon, he says this. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give, give, give good gifts to those who ask him? What wonderful news. We don't just have a God who sits in heaven removed from us, separate and distant. We have a father who is God. A heavenly father who knows all that we need. Now, 
as we've said and how Langs talked about a few weeks ago, what we think we need is not necessarily the same as what we actually need. And the discipline is trusting that God is working for our good, even when we struggle to see it. And that it can be really hard, can't it? It's easy, for example, to see all the negatives of the last few months. And there really are many. I don't want to sound glib about them. Speaking with you, I know there are very real concerns. I know that, but God knows that even more. And there have been positives as well. It was wonderful to hear from Chris and Katie some of the joys they've seen. We've often spoken about how lockdown has helped filter out some of the things we're putting ahead of God, maybe. How it's helped us to see things we weren't truly appreciating, be thankful for them. Those are a few of the positives. There are a few of the good which has been being worked, but there'll be lots which we can't see at the moment. Lots of ways God is using this to make us more like him. God knows all that we need. So then follow down me in verse 33. The call from Jesus is to put God as our number one, to not only acknowledge that he is God, but act like he is, to trust him ultimately. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying, make Jesus king and you'll have all you need. Put God and his kingly rule at the top of our priority list and we'll find that God takes care of all the necessities in life. What a promise that is. He knows all we need. And remember, again, he knows what is for our good. We don't always know what we need. We think we do, but we don't often. He knows what we need. As we put him first, we'll get all we need. Remember, earlier we said that what we worry about shows what we're loving more than God. The solution to over-worry is to love God as our ultimate. He knows all we need and he has all that we need. Finally, then we get his sixth argument. Sixth argument against worry. He says, do not worry because God guarantees your mercy today for trouble today and mercy tomorrow for troubles tomorrow. We get a bit practical here, don't we? And these words are life-changing if we're going to choose to live live them. Verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. So tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. You notice that each day will have troubles. He knows that. He's not oblivious to it. It's, It's completely false teaching to say, become a Christian and life will be easy. There'll be no more troubles. That's wrong. Fatally and totally wrong. Each day, we will have troubles whilst we live in this broken world. I know we will. I've spoken to three or four of you this week who have very rarely been able to describe to me some of the troubles you're feeling at the moment or going through right now. Jesus has given us these troubles for our good, for helping us become more like him, and he promises to help when those troubles come each day. He promises to help when they come each day but not for tomorrows. It says, don't hoard tomorrow's troubles today. You won't be able to bear them, Jesus says here. Remember the birds they take each day as it comes, trusting that God is God today and he still will be God tomorrow. So then there's no reason to worry about tomorrow. God will help us today. He will. He hasn't abandoned us. And this is wonderfully freeing. He wants to free us from the way to worry. He says, stop worrying about tomorrow. I've got it today. I'll have it tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't over-worry about tomorrow. 1 Peter 
five, seven, you may know this verse well, cast all your anxieties, cast all your cares, it often says on him, for he cares about you. As I said, it does not say you'll never feel any anxieties or cares. It says that when the mud splatters your windscreen and you lose temporary sight of the road, start to swerve in anxiety, to turn on your wipers, squirt your windshield washer. So if someone says to me they struggle with anxiety and worry every day, I think I'd say that's more or less normal. As you look at scripture, I don't think God says otherwise. The issue is how we deal with them. Remember our definition, we were talking about over-concern, over-worry. It's carrying the concerns in this world in such a way that we lose perspective on life and or lack trust in God. So you deal with them by getting correct perspective. We look at the birds and God's care for them. We look at the flowers, his marvellous clothing of them, when they only last for an instant and will last for eternity. We look at how he talks here, how he care for all our needs, how he's a good father. We deal with worry by battling unbelief. And we do that, uh, as we looked at a bit last week, through meditating on God's word, reminding ourselves of his promises. That will help clear the mud off the windscreen. These marvellous promises of God here, which Jesus outlines. Remember Proverbs? Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. This is Jesus' kind word to us today. That invisible backpack the one you're carrying full of weight and burdens, take it off, give it to him. One Peter, cast all your cares upon him, three cares for you. Our days are harder if they're weighed down with anxiety. So give that weight to someone who will take it off from you. Jesus says clearly here, we do not need to be worried. We don't need to carry these cares and concerns in our world full of unknowables because he cares for us. Now, this is a daily battle, isn't it? It really is. He says there in verse 34, today and tomorrow is a daily battle. We often go to sleep with concerns, wake up with them daily. We need to take off the backpack and give it to Jesus. I asked Caroline to ever read through my notes yesterday when I was preparing to, to think it through with me. And she told me to stress this point. It's a daily battle. She's right. What worries you today may be something else tomorrow. So daily remember who God is, daily remember his care and value for you and his desire to carry our burdens and worries and give them to him in prayer as we're going to do in a minute. And not just our worries, but all of our lives, give all of them to him, seek him first. The ultimate way to live life uh, full of, uh, without, without fear is to trust Jesus with all of our lives. The wisest way to live life is not with a heavy backpack on, so give it all to him, our wonderful heavenly father who gives us all we need. Where is peace? Peace is ultimately found in giving everything, all of our lives, all of our blessings, all of our concerns to God who values you immensely. 